0: Welcome to Rethink, a podcast focused on the future of skilled nursing. I'm Amy Stulick, reporter with Skilled Nursing News. I'm joined for this episode by Gerald Cosey, Gerald has a decade of experience in the long-term care space, previously serving as Operational Leadership Development Director at American Senior Communities until about two months ago. A senior healthcare expert, he is the owner of leadership development company Jay Cozy Speaks and has been involved in executive leadership training programs with ASC as well as the American Healthcare Association's Leadership Academy. Before we get to that conversation, I'd like to highlight the Clinical Executive Conference taking place February 29th in Tampa, Florida. Learn what clinical and business leaders alike are facing in the space as speakers dive into trends, challenges, and opportunities that lie ahead. Visit skillednursingnews.com forward slash events to find out more. And now, my conversation with Gerald Kosey. Thank you so much, Gerald, for joining us today for the Rethink podcast. So, first off, I really want to just fill people in on what you do. You know, I feel like you have a really unique role in terms of developing leaders in the long term care space and bolstering the nursing home workforce. So, we can start there.
1: Yes. Hi, Amy. I'm so happy to be with you today. So that's a great first question to start because things have changed since September 1. So as of September 1, I resigned um, from 10 years at American Senior Communities, uh, an organization that is very near and dear to me. Um, I left pharmaceutical sales 10 years ago in order to uh, focus on minimizing isolation within the senior community. And so at that point, I came on board with American Senior Communities as an administrator in training. Um, Over the past 10 years, I've had two communities. And my last assignment with American Senior Communities, I was over leadership development, uh, typically responsible for the administrator and training program, executive coaching of leaders, as well as the development of emerging leaders within the organization. So as of September 1st, um, I resigned in order to pursue speaking, consulting, and training specifically in senior health care. And so um, I am proud to say in this long-winded answer to your question <laughs> that I am now the president and owner of J. Cozy Speaks, a leadership development company focused on advancing senior health care one leadership developmental opportunity at a time.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like it's, it was a big decision to, uh, you know, step away, right, and really focus on this leadership development aspect, right, and like yes. how much needed. And kind of talk a little bit about that decision to do what you're doing now.
1: Well, first of all, the decision was hard. I mean, for the first time in your life to be in your 50s and say, hey, I don't want direct deposit anymore. Um, <laughs> and that's just the financial component, but just the security yeah. Not to mention, this is a very emotional industry. So these are friends and family members um, that I have um, worked alongside. But as a speaker through this COVID pandemic, my job has been to rehydrate senior healthcare professionals, one speaking opportunity at a time. What's great about that is I get to come in and rehydrate and motivate. But what's bad about it is I get to leave the organization and not systemically reach in and have additional impact. So for me, the reason um, behind my resignation was so that I could 100 percent dedicate myself to advancing leadership within senior healthcare. As a result of this pandemic, um, I find that two things have happened. One. Um, as leaders, we have lost um, our purpose, if you will. And I say that um, kind of loosely because um, purpose in senior healthcare is different for everyone. But in senior healthcare, you're caring for people. And as we went through COVID, it was very clear our purpose was to make sure our people survived, to make sure we survived. But as we move out of that pandemic, that purpose has been kind of watered down. So um, the goal is to make sure that we reignite the purpose that our leaders feel. And number two, that we're investing in the skill set development of our leaders so that they can maximize that purpose as we advance senior healthcare together. So um, I feel like you may not want to interview me anymore, Amy, because I'm so long winded. (laughs) Um, But the point is, as a speaker, I'm always encouraging my audience members to chase the mission. And trust that the margin will chase you back. So now I have to practice what I preach. Gerald, chase the mission of advancing senior healthcare by helping leaders to have purpose and helping them to develop the skill set to advance that purpose. And Gerald, guess what? You're going to have to trust the mission and trust that the margin will will come with time.
0: And then speaking of reigniting purpose for staff in the nursing home space, and you're really trusting what they know, I'd love for you to mention the book that you are launching this week as well that really, you know, feels to me like a guideline to, uh, you know, really igniting that purpose.
1: Yes, yes. So in senior healthcare, let's talk about this. So we depend on people to care for people in a very emotionally demanding career space. So when you put all that together, the bottom line is it's easy to lose people. My daddy used to say nothing worthwhile is easy. And 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 that is certainly uh, for sure in senior health care. So the purpose of writing this book, which I'm really excited about, it's my first book. And so I can finally say I'm an author and I'm very Mm -hmm. proud to be an author of a Mm -hmm. leadership development book specifically for senior healthcare. And so with this book, we have an opportunity to invest in our leaders to say, hey, are you a brand new leader running a building? Let me share with you some lessons that I learned as I strategically transformed actions in order to achieve results. Within senior healthcare. See, when people are in an emotionally demanding space, the fact that they're within community is significant. With this book, I want senior healthcare leaders and professionals to know that there is a leader author in this world who understands exactly what you're going through, who is committed to your development, and has an opportunity to help you grow, to help you develop. Now, as I'm listening, as your audience members are listening to me, um, I've committed my life to leadership development. So um, let's 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 talk about what what's what's going on with my development through this interview with you. I'm I'm thinking about um, how I have to get more succinct with my answers. I'm thinking about the commitment um, to senior healthcare, and, and I'm trying to figure out how do I communicate all this exciting news that I have, but without coming across um, too over the top. Does that make any Does that make sense?
0: It's hard, right? It's hard to be succinct about something that you're passionate about. I get that.
1: Yes. So let me be quiet and slow down a little bit so that none of your listeners tune out like this guy talks too much, way too much.
0: (laughs) Well, I kind of want to go back to something that you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, you know, about what The industry has faced Mm -hmm. up until this point, right? You know, in Mm -hmm. terms of the pandemic and, you know, trust among staff in the public. um, And I'd just love to learn from you how you feel the pandemic has perhaps eroded trust in nursing home operators and leadership.
1: Well, you know, trust in our world is compromised today, in my opinion. And the thing about senior healthcare, whatever occurs in our world also occurs within our communities. So if the world is starting to have lower levels of trust into institutions like church, for instance, as sad as it is to say, I think it's safe to say that everyone at some point in time has lost a, a level of trust through this pandemic. Now, how does that apply to senior health care? Um, in, in our industry, we we don't have snow days. We only had go days. So throughout the entire pandemic, we worked. We paid taxes on our payroll and we brought it every single day. Our quality outcomes were tremendous. We put our families at risk, but we answered the call. As a matter of fact, I Amy, mean, career choice became career duty through um, this pandemic. But with that, people um, have a tendency to feel like, Do you really care about me? So, when it comes to building trust, the American Healthcare Association partnered with the CDC to build a curriculum uh, entitled "Building Trust in Long-Term Care." And the goal, uh, and the reason why the CDC put funds behind it, the goal was to provide education to facility leaders a leadership development skill set. Um, so that we can understand the components of trust within the industry, as well as work towards improving trust, ultimately improving vaccine uptake. I'm so thankful for the grant because, one, it was needed in order to increase uptake with the vaccine. But more importantly, or equally importantly, I should say, It is an opportunity for senior care professionals to add another skill set to their development list. And, you know, every opportunity to develop increases our chances of having greater impact as an operational leader.
0: So is that the same as ACA's Leadership Academy or is that separate?
1: It's, it's actually, it's separate, but it's the same. So, so let's unpack that a little bit. So first, the first step with the grant was to create the curriculum. So the American Healthcare Association um, partnered with um, faculty team members. I'm one of those faculty members. Um, I was the only administrator who was one of the faculty members, but um, just a wonderful group of leaders. And we developed this curriculum based upon um, Francis Frey, who is a Harvard professor. Uh, she's in leadership management and she, uh, wrote, uh, she presented a Ted talk on the components of trust, um, empathy, logic, and authenticity. And when these three drivers are in alignment, it increases your chance of developing trust with others. And so after we developed the curriculum, The CDC came back and said, we love it. This is great. How can we use this now to systemically help change and improve upon building trust from today forward? And in order to meet that goal, we decided to create a leadership academy where we offered it to I think we had 100 leaders from across the country. And over a 17-week virtual experience, the Leadership Academy met with the faculty team members every other week. And what's so great about um, this uh, particular initiative is we picked a critical priority for every community that's participating. So they have a critical priority need within their building. And we align building trust to that critical priority. So for instance, one of the teams that I work with, their critical priority was to reduce falls with injury. So think about this. Their goal was to increase trust between the executive director and the DNS, but the, the alignment to the critical goal was around minimizing falls with injury. What's so exciting about that, Amy, is that the leaders who participated in the academy now understand, one, the components of building trust. Two, the importance of aligning a trust-building initiative with a strategic goal for the building. And three, ultimately, they were able to build more trust, as well as falls with injury declined. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when we talk about building trust, trust in this world is diminished. For instance, when I first started learning about this, I'm thinking, how can somebody teach me how to build trust? But then I started. We were on a road trip with the family. I'm like, well, there's components to trust. So, Gerald, just like you jumped on this road today, you trust the components within your engine will get you from A to B. You trust the air pressure in your tires will get you from A to B, and you trust that you have gas. When you have those three, Gerald, you're improving your your trust level and your dependability of your automobile. I say that to say it began to make sense. Then, okay, so building trust. Is dependent upon these three components. So now that I am aware of this, now I can start building a plan in order to leverage these three drivers.
0: And then speaking of building trust, I know that your presentations, they deal a lot with, you mentioned trust equity and scaling up trust among Mm -hmm. those in the nursing home workforce. Mm -hmm. Uh, So tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that.
1: Okay so we have very diverse let's just say let's go with the cultural component. We have uh various cultures in the United States of people, uh people from various cultures who are serving our residents within our communities, um people from other parts of the world. I'll never forget I gave a presentation where I was encouraging um healthcare professionals to look a senior in the eye um when speaking and uh, a leader from another culture shared with me, Gerald, well, in my culture, looking at someone in the eye is a sign of disrespect. I had no idea. So that's just one example. The point is cultures look at things differently. Various cultures can build trust differently. When you have a diverse population of people serving others in senior healthcare. I think it's imperative to understand how trust can be compromised just because of cultural differences. That's just one example. So if I'm focusing on these three drivers, I'm thinking to myself, okay, one logic, not are you logical, but can you communicate your logic? Do you share why you are making decisions? Because when you do, I may increase my chance of trusting you. Do you care about me? Do you show empathy? Mm. If I feel as though you care about me, then it's going to increase my chances of trusting you. The last one would be authenticity. Are you showing up as your true self? If I feel that you are, then it's increasing the likelihood of me trusting you. Now, when you're in an emotionally demanding career space, Trust and building trust becomes compounded and it's even more important. That's why as we're advancing senior healthcare, we must continue to give leaders opportunities to advance and create new skill set development.
0: And I would love to think about this, you know, within the lens of building back the workforce. Mm hmm skilled nursing right you know like how can trust equity and scaling up trust translate to you know overall recruiting and retention efforts right you know especially in the face of the federal minimum staffing proposal.
1: Oh yeah don't yeah. don't bring up that federal minimum <laughs> staffing proposal because right. that just drives me batty. So I understand the government they want to do right. They want to do right by elders. But what they have to understand is that you don't choose to work in senior health care if it's just about making money. You don't choose to work in senior health care um, if, if it's just to participate in the marketplace. I mean, you choose to to work in senior health care because you care about elders at some point. The job is too hard <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to not have genuine reasons why you would want to get in. OK. So at the end of the day, we know that their thoughts are probably they think it's for the best. But at the end of the day, you know, what we want members of Congress to 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 continue to urge the Biden administration to reconsider the one size fits all policy and instead focus on more meaningful and comprehensive policies that actually help long term facilities recruit workers, as well as build a strong pipeline of caregivers. So when it comes to we don't have snow days, we only have go days, we showed up. If there was a solution, I mean, the staffing, it makes it sound like to me, the government thinks, oh, you held back in hiring people because you wanted to save some funds. (laughs) And we're like, no, we hire all day, every day. Trust me. The last thing a nursing home administrator, the last thing a director of nursing wants to do is short change anybody in the community by intentionally short staffing. Doesn't make sense. So if the government wants to focus in on senior healthcare, I encourage them to take advantage of having Leading Age and American Healthcare Association Take advantage of our trade associations. They're knowledgeable and they understand what our industry needs, and they can help partner and advance us together as we uh, continually advance senior healthcare as one.
0: Exactly. Yeah. No, I really like what you mentioned about, you know, like you are actively trying to get as many people as you can, right? And I, you know, of course, I'm thinking about acuity in this space as well. You know that you need highly skilled people and you know that's that's definitely needed uh moving into the future.
1: Oh without without a doubt. And let me tell you something. I have such an admiration for the nursing professionals of this world. I'm actually in senior health care as a result of care that I receive from a nurse as I battle ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease. But what I want to share about senior healthcare Specifically to the profession of nursing, they are there are phenomenal, highly trained exceptional nurse leaders within senior health care. The director of nursing job I'll put against any nursing job in any in the industry i mean in in the marketplace, as far as the uh significance around critically thinking uh the significance of practicing at the top of your license. Um, the significance of um, your leadership abilities and how you develop people of uh, the largest department in a multimillion dollar skilled nursing community. So the point and the reason why I'm sharing um, these accolades or um, how I feel about um, these phenomenal nurses, because I want to attract more nurses to this industry. You know, the hospital is a great opportunity um, to practice your profession. But within a nursing home is a great opportunity as well. And let me tell you one of the benefits. You get to live life with seniors. So like our nurses in the hospital, they lost patients. And I can't imagine how they've dealt with it. Um, but on the other side, we lost patients within our senior healthcare communities. The difference is in a lot of these cases, we are well aware of who the person is. We know them. We love them. We've had their, their children there. We know their, in some cases, we even know their siblings and their parents. Uh, as hard as that is to believe, but it, it's happened in, in, in my career. So the point, the point I, I want to get across is that in senior healthcare, nurses play a critical role. They play a critical role in the development of nurse leaders. They play a critical role in delivering high quality outcomes and they play a critical role um, just in advancing a career space that's, that's very challenging. And so I, I feel like I kind of got off the, off the, the track there. Mm-hmm. Um, so forgive me um, if I got a little too excited, but the point is, and I wish if this wasn't live, I'd say, can't we, can't we do that one over? Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I just want to give a shout out to all the nurses in senior healthcare and just say thank you. Um, you're phenomenal. I appreciate you, and we need you each and every day.
0: Absolutely, and you know, just sticking with developing leaders. You know, I, I would love to get from you any advice that you have for nursing home management as they navigate so many challenges to rebuilding trust and confidence mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, actually, you know. Um, I stepped out of a building almost two years ago. And when I stepped out of the building, we were in the heat of COVID. We were past it, but we were still in it, if that makes sense. And unfortunately, I lost 32 residents as a nursing home administrator. Um, People that I love, people that I had to call their families and extend my condolences. I had to deliver a eulogy um, at a, a funeral service. And I, I I share all of this. I share all of this with you because I realized as I left the community that I still needed to heal emotionally. And so I started to get help in speaking with a therapist. As I am out speaking to leaders across the country, the first advice I give is to make sure you take care of yourself. We need you in our industry. Make sure you take care of yourself. Number two, make sure you identify why you chose this career space. See, there are going to be tough times, moments when you're like, oh, no, did I choose the right career space? When those days occur, I must have you focus in on why you chose this industry. See, tough times, they help us to develop as leaders. We just can't lose the leader to the tough time. So the second advice I would give is to stand firm on why you want to work within this industry. Why did you choose to go to nursing school? Because let me tell you. When COVID happened and I had to tell my family that I'm leaving them at home so that I can go serve mankind, it was because I understood why. This is why you resigned from an 18-year pharmaceutical sales career in order to become a nursing home administrator, Gerald. It was to lead through this pandemic. So you have to understand your why. The third thing I want leaders to understand is that organizations pay us a percent of what's made off of our skill set. My mentor, Walter Bond, always mentions that to me. And that's fine. It's nothing wrong with that. That's the marketplace. I mean, a nurse can't stand on the street with a sign saying, hey, I'll triage you for tips. You know, you have to go to the marketplace to convert that skill set into income for your family. So what I am encouraging leaders to do is to invest in your skill set. Because as you're growing, you will leverage that investment and leverage your earning opportunity. See, as our um, population, as far as professionals that work with us, as that changes, as the acuity levels change, senior healthcare is going to become more and more demanding. Well, the more demanding it becomes, the harder it becomes in order to give our leaders a chance to really compete. Well, we must advance their skill set. A plumber who was working, uh, making service calls 50 years ago may bring a different toolbox to my home today (laughs) if they were still calling our homes as a plumber. And so I want to make sure that nursing home administrators today have the latest tools, the predictive index and looking at behavioral leadership styles, understanding drives and needs behind behaviors, or the importance of building trust within long-term care, or understanding that we must strategically transform actions every single day in order to achieve results. Just one one after another, giving people an opportunity. So if we can take care of ourselves. If we can understand our why and if we can commit to growing and developing each and every day, I think it'll provide our leaders the purpose that they need as well as help them with the skill set needed in order to maximize that purpose
0: and i just i want to stick with that thought for a minute and just kind of shift a little to innovations mm-hmm. in staffing right mm-hmm. and you know i think maybe you touched on this a little bit but you know any sort of innovations in terms of changing workflows or infrastructure even to help ease staffing shortages
1: you know that that's a million dollar question if if i could find a solution to the staffing shortages um i would believe me i would um <laughs> a few things one as we increase our our leaders abilities ultimately it'll help with staffing um as we evolve as an industry and in advance ultimately it's going to help with staffing um as we continue to attract um and retain top talented people, eventually we should see an improvement uh, in regards to our staffing. But how we get there, that's the million-dollar question. That's that's the challenge. There um, just aren't a lot of people who want to work in this world. I mean, we, we could see that whenever you walk out and, you know, you just go into maybe a fast food restaurant and say, hey, please have patience with us. We don't have a lot of employees here today. Um, so I, I don't know. I wish I had the solution, but I will tell you this. If we continue to treat people right, if we focus on being authentic, communicating our logic, if we focus on showing empathy, if we focus on caring for people who care for people, if we focus on giving people the training and development that's needed, and if we focus on paying people fairly, which we have and we certainly f- in pay... I have spent, we have spent enormous amounts of money trying to negate the staffing challenges. And no matter how much we throw at it, the problem still exists.
0: I can't help but think back to what you mentioned about, you know, investing in skill sets, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, how that might change you know, that that's a strategy, uh, an initiative in itself to um, change the skill set to meet the need. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
1: yes. So our professionals are so talented, so talented. Our organizations are so talented. Do you know at American Senior Communities back in 2020 of April, you know that we tested all one hundred and sixty of our residents four times in one month That was twenty twenty of April. This is the type of commitment that I wish the general public was aware of. This is not just the organization I work for we I'm certain I can come with many examples throughout the industry of where organizations have stepped up to the plate. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to have peace. (laughs) within the workplace. And in order to have peace within the workplace, Amy, you got to have the right people in the right positions. And for the most part, we do. And I will make this promise to your listeners out there. As a senior healthcare professional, I will tell you that we're going to always do the best that we can for every one of our residents each and every day. And staffing is going to always, we're going to always find a way. And guess what? At the community level, if the staffing isn't right, guess who's gonna come in and work? The executive director, the director of nursing, the departmental leaders. You may even have a regional manager. You may even have a CEO come out. At the end of the day, people within senior health care are gonna always do their best for our residents.
0: And I, you know, just thinking about staffing initiatives and strategy still, I you know, I'd love to add you know, again, the lens of the minimum staffing proposal, you know, how might these initiatives and strategy change given that coming up? And then how can operators shift and be nimble with these changes, you know, in terms of their staffing initiatives?
1: So I guess, the, and this is my unofficial answer, um, what happens if you, with the mandate, when you don't have the staffing? How do you enforce it? Penalties. Financial penalties. Well, at the end of the day, that doesn't motivate me. What motivates me is making sure that my residents get the best care possible. So if you're going to create a strategy to compete with a goal, then it's important to align around the right strategy. So, again, my encouragement to the Biden administration would be to work with the American Healthcare Association, to work with Leading Age, and allow our trade associations to help you navigate the staffing challenges as well as the expectations around staffing.
0: And then I'd love to talk briefly about hires. Outside of the industry, you know, as someone that came from the pharmaceutical industry yourself, you know, do you consider hires outside of the industry a goldmine for the skilled nursing space? And could we bring in people for every position, for leadership, for floor staff?
1: Absolutely. So diversity is is critical in this world. And I remember when I was in pharmaceuticals, I thought I used to work for Pfizer. And I remember thinking, oh, uh, Pfizer has the most talented people in in the pharmaceutical industry. And then I went to a smaller um, drug company, King Pharmaceuticals, and they had phenomenal people there. I'm like, wow, okay, it wasn't just Pfizer. Then when I resigned from pharmaceuticals, you know, 18 years later and came over to American senior communities, I remember sitting in a meeting like, wow, it's some talented people within this industry very intelligent, understand of the marketplace is phenomenal. Um, their, their work ethic, uh, their communication level, just, just impressed. So yes, the industry can always benefit from having diverse, experienced leaders join uh, into the industry. Now, the problem is leadership is important. Leadership skill set is important. So, whatever skill set you bring from outside industry, you bring within senior healthcare, it can be a benefit to you. Oftentimes, people want to come right out of school. I'm over the AIT program. They want to come right out of college and they want to become an administrator of a community and then they want to be a CEO within the next first six years of their career. And the whole thought process is we have to grow, we have to develop, we have to put people in a position. To where they can be successful. So we started a AIT cohort program to where leaders can come into the administrator and training program together. Um, they could be internal candidates from within the organization. We typically have at least one person from outside of the organization. They go through a cohorted program over a six month period. As well as when they come out, they have fully licensed with the state of Indiana and the federal NAAB as well as they have relationships with others, but they also have one-on-one coaching with me for the first two years. They also have mentors that are assigned to them for the first two years. The goal is to slow walk them so that they are delivering excellence this year, next year, and years to come.
0: So I have a couple forward-looking questions for you to bring us home. Um, I think, Would love to hear from you. You know, if if you had CMS in a room with you right now, Gerald, what would you want them to understand about the nursing home industry?
1: Wow. What a great question. I would want them to know that it's an emotionally demanding job. I would want them to know that I operated a community for eight and a half years. So let's think about that, okay? That's eight and a half years times twenty four hours a day. That's how long I was on call. It's a lifetime commitment when you take over a community that operates twenty four seven. The reason I I share this emotional personal side is I would like CMS to know that people who participate in this industry are honorable. Um, There's nothing more honorable than placing the needs of someone else before your very own. Um, People within this industry are committed to advancing it. Um, People within this industry are committed to advancing quality. At the American Healthcare Association, we recognize um, quality awards. Every year. And these are organizations who have said we want to track quality based upon this Baldrige criteria. We're putting our numbers where our mouth is. So that's really important because it emphasizes that quality drives our industry. Not revenue. Quality drives our industry. So think about that. If quality drives our industry, that's our mission. And we're trusting that the margin will follow. So quality drives our mission. Not revenue. That's why I personally am against the staffing mandate. It assumes that I don't focus on quality first. And I don't like that assumption.
0: And then on the operator end, what do you feel operators should be focused on right now? You know, what should be top of mind?
1: Mm, mm, yes, restoring the business of senior healthcare. So what should be top of mind? Engaging with our residents. What should be top of mind? Leveraging our COVID conviction. That's all the lessons that we learned um, as leaders um, leading through COVID. Let's take advantage of that. Yeah, COVID's nasty. We're all tired of talking about it. But the conviction that we have, no one can take that away from us. The third item is just knowing that you your why you got to know your why, because we'll have another major, you know, issue come up. I don't know when. God forbid it's anytime soon, but there'll be another COVID. There'll be another something. And when that time comes, we got to have our leaders in place. 10,000 people turn 65 years of age every single day. Mm -hmm. If we don't have vetted out leaders who understand the marketplace, who understand the care component with deep levels of knowledge, if we lose those leaders, the industry loses. We cannot afford to lose leaders, especially vetted, competent, and capable leaders.
0: Absolutely. And what does the future of the nursing home industry look like to you? Oh, my or, goodness. What, what do you hope it will look like?
1: Well, <laughs> I don't have to hope. I'm in my 50s, so eventually I'm probably going to find out real life, Right. So, no, I think our future is bright. You know, um, I think the future will be dependent upon, um, you know, CMS and, and, and those working with um, the industry. Uh, I think uh, there's been a shift. If you want people to serve in this career space, then you got to meet them halfway. That's really, really, really important. And so I think our future is bright. I think we are focusing more on skill set development. Um, I would love to see us continually invest in, um, in leadership training. And, um, and I hope that organizations reach out to me. That's the whole purpose I started this company is so that I can do executive coaching with leaders. I can come in and do workshops um, for organizations. I can run AIT programs, but I do not have to burden you with covering my salary. And so uh, the, the the mission, the mission continues to drive the focus.
0: I think that's a really good point to end on, Gerald. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for letting me pick your brain about your time in the industry and how you came here and your future thoughts for the industry. I think that it was interesting so thank you so much
1: you're welcome thank you amy
0: that does it for this episode of rethink i'd like to remind listeners about our upcoming clinical executive conference taking place february 29th in tampa florida visit skilled forward slash events to learn more and get tickets until next time thanks for listening